Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Take your Bibles with me, please, tonight to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter number 14. Matthew, chapter number 14. Uh, I'm not going to preach anything new to you tonight, but just simply remind you of some things that we already know and uh, pose a question to us tonight that I believe we all need to hear. Amen. Matthew, chapter number 14, and we'll begin reading in verse number 22 uh, this evening. Matthew 14, 22, when you find your place. And physically able, I invite you to stand as we honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God tonight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. The Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the even, evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, and notice this phrase, this is what I'm interested in tonight. O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about, and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as, as touched were made perfect. Whole. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us tonight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight as humbly and thankfully, dear Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful uh, presentation tonight from, from Brother Lee and his family. And Lord God, what a blessing it is to hear about their salvation. And Lord, the blessing that it is to hear about the, the burden that you placed upon their heart, uh, Lord, to go uh, to, to Nepal 
all and to preach the gospel and Lord to share the gospel with those there uh, that are lost and need to be born again. Father we thank you Lord that we know that this missionary has the right message and Lord God we know he has the right message because when we hear him talk about salvation uh, Lord we realize that the way that he got saved and the way uh, his wife came to know you as her Savior uh, Lord he is uh, by the Bible. Lord it's scriptural uh, Lord it was your way that they came to Christ and Lord we're so thankful that any of us that have come, genuinely come to you uh, Lord by faith and have been born again uh, Lord we have all that we need to share with someone else uh, how they can too uh, come to know you as their Savior. Father we do pray your blessings upon their family, upon their time here, uh, upon the, uh, the deputation that you have them on and Lord I pray God that you'd help them to get missionary support and help them Lord I pray to get to the, the field with everything they stand in need of uh, Lord to where uh, finances and taking care of their family uh, Lord is one less thing for them uh, to be concerned about and they can put all of their attention on getting a lost uh, nation to Christ there in Nepal. Father we do pray that you would help us tonight as we try to preach a message from the word of God. Lord I pray dear God that for these next few moments uh, God that you would uh, you would take my mind and, and my, my body, my mouth, my lips, make them usable I pray for your service. Please God forgive me if there be any wicked way in me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Touch my mind. Recall to the thing uh, to my mind the things that I've studied. Help me Lord. Give me an enabling that I need to not only uh, preach the word of God rightly divided but Lord to be able to uh, communicate this truth to where you through the spirit of God will take my words and make the, tr the text uh, become real to your people. Lord I pray that you would bless it as only you can and Lord I pray if there's one lost you'd save them. If there's one backslid I pray that they'd get right with you today and Lord I pray for those uh, that are saved here tonight you'd help them uh, to find help from the word of God and from your hand this evening and Father for everything you do we'll be careful to give you the praise the honor and the glory for it all in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen. When we come to this passage of scripture tonight of course we are all through the years of being in church if you've been in church any length of time you're very familiar uh, with this passage of scripture in which Jesus uh, commands or constrains uh, the word according to verse 22 his disciples to get into a ship uh, to go before him on the other side uh, and uh, we understand they go in the boat there, there comes uh, a storm and uh, it causes them to be filled with trouble to be uh, fear, filled with fright. Uh, Peter in the midst of the storm is encouraged by uh, the Lord to step out of the boat and he does so and uh, we understand that uh, Peter is walking on faith but then uh, begins to look at the situation around him, begins to lose faith uh, in uh, his ability to stand on the water, uh, begins to sink and uh, the Lord uh, picks him up and I am thankful that in our moments of doubt and discouragement uh, when we lose heart and sometimes we may not be as filled with faith as uh, we uh, would like to think that we are all the time. Amen. All of us like to think of ourselves as some super Christian. But in those times when we're not, aren't you glad uh, that we have a God that's never too far away uh, to reach out and to bear us up and to take care of us when we seem to be sinking in life and in this Christian journey. In verse number 31, as we uh, look in this text, I find in that moment when Peter began to sink,
thing. And the Lord uh, grabbed him by the hand. Uh, the Lord asked him a question that I think is pertinent to us uh, this evening. When the Lord said to Peter, he said, Oh, thou of little faith. Now, does that not describe a whole lot of us in, uh, in church tonight? Amen. And uh, if it don't describe you, I can say I know that at times it describes me. Amen. Oh, thou of little faith. And then he asked this question, Wherefore didst thou doubt? In other words, he asked them, he asked Peter rather, Jesus says, Why are you doubting me? With the help of God tonight, I want us to think about that, that question where he said, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And, and answer the question, ask ourselves the question, why it is that we doubt Jesus in the first place? Why do we doubt Jesus from uh, time to time? Amen. Notice here that that is the question that Jesus wanted Peter to answer in his heart and mind. How is it that we can have Jesus and doubt him at the same time? How is it that we can uh, be living for him and be serving him and be so filled with doubt uh, just at a seeming uh, moment's notice? It seems uh, Peter was filled with enough faith to step out of the boat, but then in just a moment he lost uh, faith enough. He doubted just enough to begin to sink. And is that not the way it is in our life? We can be walking with God. We can be living in by faith. We can be walking on storms of life. We can, we can just uh, be enjoying the benefits of a faith journey with God uh, to where we are. Uh, we are uh, living by faith and we're taking steps of faith. But then there's some times in life where it seems as if that next step is hard to take. So why do we doubt him? Amen. First of all, let me ask the question uh, and ask why, it, how is it that we can doubt Jesus, first of all, when it comes to his previous works? Look in verse number 22. The Bible says this, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Notice when he talks about here in verse 22, while he sent the multitudes away, what he's talking about is the multitude of folks that were gathered in the verses prior uh, to our text when it began. If you look here in Matthew chapter uh, number 14, we find uh, that the Bible says there in verse number 15, uh, the Bible says, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. And the uh, uh, send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves vit uh, uh, victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave uh, the loaves to his disciples and the, the disciples to the multitude, and they did all drink and were, or excuse me, they did all eat and were filled, and they took of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full, and they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's quite a multitude that the Lord has blessed. That's quite a multitude that the Lord has fed. And Jesus sends that multitude away and begins the next step of the journey with his disciples, puts them in a boat, and sends them onto the other side. And along the way, after the Lord has just done a great and mighty miracle, they begin to lose faith. They begin to doubt 
their Savior. Here we see Peter in particular as the poster child walking on the water of one that had faith but began to doubt. And here it is hard for us to understand when it comes to what Jesus had done for them personally. They had already felt the drawing power of his call upon their hearts and that, that had caused them to leave all and follow him. They had already heard him preach with wisdom that only the Son of God could have. They have watched him heal a leper, a centurion servant, Peter's mother-in-law, two blind men, a palsied man, and all of those in Galilee who had sickness and disease. They had watched him as he healed withered hands and cast demons out on several different occasions. They had just watched him feed 5,000 men plus women and children with only uh, five loaves and two uh, small fishes. And perhaps the most amazing of them all is that they had ever uh, been a witness to Jesus uh, performing uh, not just that miracle in their presence in this moment here as they, uh, as uh, we come to uh, the walking on the water in this storm uh, that they had had. But if you look at chapter number eight, this is something that the Lord, uh, this is just something uh, that the Lord does. Amen. Look at chapter number eight with me in verse number 23. Uh, Matthew chapter number eight and verse number 23. The Bible says, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now you know this passage, I've preached it to you not too long ago. But there in verse 25 it says, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you so fearful of ye little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? In one passage, Jesus is with them in the ship when the storm comes, and he steps out and he calms the, the, the winds and the waves. In this passage, the Lord is sending them uh, before him and, and is uh, going into a mountain to pray and then comes walking on the water. But either way, they have learned that uh, when in their ministry for the Lord, sometimes storms come, but they have already come through a storm that Jesus has calmed before. And it come, they come to this storm after Jesus has done so much for them. And yet in this storm, they doubt. Is that not the way we are? Yes, Jesus can do it before, but this might be the time that he just simply stops doing it again. This might just be the time that he has determined he's not going to calm any more of my storms or take care of any more of my problems. Amen. It's amazing to us, and really, it doesn't reflect very good on our faith in our Savior. Amen. That he can do so much for us, but we're filled with doubt. How is it that we doubt Jesus when it comes to his previous works. But then how is it that we doubt Jesus when it comes to his personal words? Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 22. Notice first of all we see that the words that he spoke to them were constraining words. In verse 22 the Bible says in straightway Jesus constrained them to get into the ship. In other words, it was Jesus who put them in the boat. It was Jesus who had given them their plan and their mission. It, if they would have went under in the storm, we very well could make this statement that if they went under and they drowned, then it would have been Jesus' fault that they did so. Because he's the one that put them in the boat. 
He's the sovereign son of God. He knew what was coming their way, and he put them in the boat. His words were constraining words. His words were confident words. Notice this. The Bible says there in verse 22 that he put them in the boat, and he, he sent them to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that I read this verse where the Bible said Jesus constrained them getting to the ship and to go before him onto the other side, it seems to me as if that is part of the Lord's, uh, the Lord's instruction to them. He's putting them in the boat and he's reminding them that he wants them in this boat because he wants them to go to the other side and that they're going to the other side and there's something that he wants for them to do over there. Can I just remind you that if the Lord is the one that puts us in what we're going through and he's the one that tells us that he's got something for us to do and the next stop on the journey amen. He's going to make sure that we make it to the next stop to do what he told us to do. These are confident words. Jesus goes to them and he tells them that they are going to make it to the other side. And if he says they're going to make it to the other side, then how can they doubt him when they're on their way? He's already declared you're going to make it. One of the things that I think that, and uh, one of the things that I, I think we need sometimes in our life is a simple reassurance from time to time. When doubt comes in, what is, where's the doubt coming from? The doubt is coming from the idea that I may not make it this time. This may be the time that takes me out. This may, this may be uh, something that is too much for me to handle. But if the Lord has already said, you're going to make it, then we ought to take him at his word. How is it that the Lord has said what he has said and we doubt him? Could it be that so many times in our Christian life it's because we're not familiar with the confident words that he tells us? Jesus speaks here with confidence. How could he not be confident? He's God manifest in the flesh. Amen. Jesus told them they were going to go to the other side. The last instruction they got from Jesus before they entered the storm was that they were going to make it to the other side. It was for simply for them to keep on rowing until they got to the other side. If they would have just remembered his words, they could have kept on rowing, knowing that the storm was not going to be able to overcome the word of their Savior. Can I remind you tonight that there is no uh, storm who uh, should be able to cause us to stop rowing. Amen. When we have a confident word from God, we may not understand what's going to take place on the, on the journey. But if God says we're going to make it, and if he's given us a promise, you know all you have to do is just keep on rowing for the honor and the glory of God. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to enjoy it all. But friend, you just keep on rowing and you just keep on uh, moving yourself forward and God will make sure you get to the other side. They were constraining words. They were confident words. But can I say this as well? They were comforting words. Notice as they get into the storm and as they're troubled and they're afraid in verse number 27, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, that they are, that they're afraid. They, they cry out for fear and Jesus walking on the water comes to them. And I like this word in verse 27, straightway. They're filled with fear and the Lord doesn't dilly-dally in coming to them to calm their fear. 
I understand that there are times where we won't always know what the Lord's doing, but I am thankful for the times in my life where it does seem like I've been going through something and the Lord has immediately come and He's immediately given me help and He's immediately given me strength. Amen. I'm glad we have a straightway kind of a Savior. Amen. The Bible says, in straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, and notice these comforting words. He says, be of good cheer. Why is it that they can be of good cheer? Notice the next three words. It is I. Sometime here soon, amen, I want to preach on those three words and preach on the eye of the storm. He said, it is I. Why is it that we can be filled with good cheer? Because it is Jesus, amen, that is our Savior. It is Jesus that can come in the midst of our storm. It is Jesus that can speak to us when everything seems to be falling apart. It is Him tonight, amen. Why is it we can be of good cheer and have cheer in our life because of Jesus? How is it that we can be not afraid, amen, and relinquish the fear that we have in life because it is Jesus. Amen. What did Jesus say in John, uh, Joshua chapter number uh, one? He told them uh, to be of good cheer. He told them to be not afraid. Why? Because he said that I am with you whithersoever thou goest. Even though Jesus might have been on the mountaintop and they thought he was nowhere around. Isn't it interesting that even when it seems like the Lord's far away, he can meet us straightway in the midst of our trouble and begin to be who he is. It is I. Be not afraid. They were constraining words. They were confident words. They were comforting words. Can I say this as well? His words were commanding words. Look at verse number 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou. And in that, let me, just, let me say this tonight as well. Isn't that where we are a whole lot of times when we are in the midst of a storm and the Lord speaks to us and the Lord is comforting us and He's trying to help us in the storm that even, even when it's Him speaking to us we in our flesh in our, in our, in our uh, fleshly human minds and, and hearts that can still be so wrapped up even when He's speaking and even when He's talking even when He's trying to comfort we can still let doubt overcome us to where we'll say Lord if it be thou. Peter is saying that I recognize this sounds like the Lord. This is the kind of thing that the Lord can do. I believe it is, I believe Peter and the rest of them are thinking this is a ghost, but Peter in his mind, this is a spirit, but Peter in his mind, it seems to me that Peter is saying that this is the kind of thing I know the Lord can do. If He is God in the flesh, if He is the Messiah, if He's the Son of God, then walking on water shouldn't be any problem for Him. He said, Lord, if. And there may be, that may be as much faith as you can muster out in a time of storm, in a time of difficulty. And here we do not find the Lord ever, ever, uh, ever fussing at Peter. We don't find the Lord scolding Peter for using that two-letter word, if. Lord, if it be thou. All the Lord says to him when he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. All the Lord says is come. That is a commanding word. In the midst of your storm, you can come to the Lord Jesus. 
in the midst of your storm. Here's what coming did for Peter. Coming got him out of the boat with the rest of the doubters. And he began to walk closer to the one that really mattered. Can I tell you, in the midst of all of our storms, the one thing that we need more than anything else is to take a journey with the Son of God and draw closer to Him. I would say this, I believe that Peter... He may have sat closer. He may have. He may have. He may have been physically closer at times with Jesus than this moment. But I would submit to you, when it comes to the, their relationship between them spiritually, Peter probably was never closer to the Lord than he was at this moment. Peter's the only one that's ever walked on water outside of the Son of God. They share an intimacy that no other human being has ever shared. He has shared a moment with Christ that no one else to ever live and no one ever prior to him had ever shared. He had drawn close to Jesus and here the Lord simply commands him to come. You step out of the boat. You leave, you leave behind your doubt to the best of your ability. You get close to me and you watch what I can help you to do and what I can cause you to stand on in the midst of your storm. Amen. Everything that was bothering those disciples, including Peter, was now under the feet of both the Savior and Peter. We can walk on in the midst of our storms. Amen. The Lord says, come. <clears throat> they were constraining words, confident words, comforting words, commanding words. Amen. <clears throat> But I'll say this, they were also convincing words. Look at verse 31 with me tonight. The Bible says, and immediately, Jesus, when, he, when Peter began to sink and he began to, he began to have doubt again, he began to sink. The Bible said, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When the Lord speaks in words like this, how do we doubt him? These are convicting words. When Peter was called a man of little faith, do you think he took that and was proud to be called by the Son of God a man of little faith? Do you think he was excited about being the one that Jesus would look at and say, Wherefore didst thou doubt? Where in the world can you come up with a reason to doubt? When I'm standing this close on top of everything that is causing you problems, and I've even helped you to walk on it yourself and to be above the storm and above the problem and the storm is not just under his feet. We expect it to be under his feet. But in this moment, the Lord let the storm be under Peter's feet. Jesus said, wherefore didst thou doubt? Here's, here's what I'm... Here's, here's something I'm interested in tonight. Notice there in verse number 31, the Bible said, Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him. If Jesus is who he said he was, that, that action would have not been necessary. Jesus could have simply wheeled Peter to rise back on top of the water. He could have simply wheeled Peter to be back in the boat and it happened. But Jesus went through the effort to reach down his hand and to pick him up, to save him in that way. I wonder if it is to simply remind Peter that when you are filled with doubt, 
even when you've disappointed me to the point to where I would look at you and say, wherefore didst thou doubt? While Jesus is saying these words, if you look there in your Bible, notice, notice what's taking place here. Jesus has got Peter in verse 31. Peter's got him by the hand. He's called out in verse 30, Lord, save me. And as soon as the words are out of Peter's mouth, he has been rescued. And I believe with all of my heart, the Bible said immediately he stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, I believe all of those actions are instantaneous, that he grabbed him, that he stretches forth the hand, he catches him, he prevents him from going under, and as he still got him by the hand, he says, wherefore didst thou doubt? Even when he's disappointed enough to say, yeah, you've doubted, and I don't understand with everything I've done how you can have doubt. I wonder if, if Jesus took the time to reach out physically when he didn't have to and he reached down and he picked him up to let him know even when we've disappointed the Savior with our doubt that he'll still hold us by the hand. Aren't you thankful for a God that'll take us by the hand and walk us through even some of the most disappointing moments of our life? Amen. Why, why do we doubt Jesus when it comes uh, to his uh, previous words and uh, or his previous works and his personal words? But lastly tonight, how is it that we doubt the Lord when it comes to his powerful wonders? Look at verse 25. The wonders that Jesus is doing here are extraordinary. They are supernatural. The Lord's actions here are actions that only the Son of God can do. Notice, notice in verse number 25, the Bible says, well, let's, let's, back, let's back up to verse number 23. The Bible said there in verse 23, verse 22, he puts them in the boat. He sends them on their way, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away... He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. He was in the mountain alone. He's on the mountaintop, and they are on the sea. Take your Bibles with me, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 6. Mark, chapter number 6, a parallel passage of this storm's account. We know the timeline. Jesus puts them in the boat. He sends them on their way. He goes into a mountain apart. The Bible says to pray. Look at verse number 46 with me. The Bible says, and when he sent, the, sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Is that not the same thing Matthew said? Verse 27 says, when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Look at verse 48. This is something that Matthew's account does not tell us. Here's what the Bible says. And he, this is speaking about Jesus, saw them. Now I ask you, where is Jesus? He's on a mountaintop. Where are they? Not just in the sea, on the seashore, but they're in the midst of the sea. The, 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 the Bible says that he saw them. For the wind was caused. The Bible says, saw them toiling and rowing. They were rowing, but they were fighting the waves. They were having trouble in their rowing, fighting the waves with every, with every step of the way. Verse 48 says that they were doing that because the wind was contrary to them. 
and about the fourth watch of the night, the darkest part of the night, the Bible said, He, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and the Bible said, and would have passed by them. Notice what this is saying here. Notice what this is saying here. The Bible says, from the mountaintop in the darkness, he saw them. That leads me to believe that it doesn't matter where I am and what I'm going through. If he can be that high up and looking out into that, that dark of a nine on the sea, and unless you, unless you have either, either, number one, ever been there, or number two, ever researched how dark it gets on the seas there in Israel, really of any, any, any sea in the middle of the night, that's a darkness. To be honest with you, I'm not too comfortable with. Amen. I, I'm not afraid of the dark. Amen. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't like to be, be in that level of darkness, especially, amen, on a little boat that I have to row in the middle of a sea, especially with winds, uh, amen, uh, roaring like they are and waves uh, doing what they're doing here in the text. I'm not, I wouldn't be interested in that. But we see the Lord supernaturally sees through the darkness and sees uh, from the height. Amen. He sees from the mountain. He, and so we understand how, how is it that we can doubt a God that is so supernatural and so powerful that he can see us in that kind of a way. Not only to seeing from the mountains, but we also see the supernatural act of him standing on the water in verse number 25 uh, in Matthew chapter number 14. He's able to do uh, what no one had ever done before. He's able to help Peter uh, do what no one had ever done before. He sees from the mountain. He stands on the water. He summons Peter to come. He knew that Peter, he knew that Peter would lose focus and doubt, but still called him. Jesus was so powerful that he was not only able to walk on the water himself, but able to call somebody, amen, as fleshly and as human as we see Peter being throughout the Word of God, reminding us a lot of ourselves a lot of times, amen. If he can do it for Peter, he can do it for us. And I'm, I'm yes, he could do it physically if he decided to, but he can do that for us spiritually, amen. What the, the wonders of the Lord, he saw them he, 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 from the mountain, he stood on the water, he summoned Peter to come in verse 32 and 33. He stops the storm. Uh, they were coming to the ship. The Bible said the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him saying of a truth thou art the son of God. Amen. He was able to calm it so uh, completely. Amen. That they could not help uh, but praise him for who he is. It proved to them this has to be the son of God to do that. His power was on display. And not only that he saw him from the mountain. He stood on the water. He summoned Peter to come. He stopped the storm. But then you think about this. In the midst of all of that, he brought them safely to the other side. If you look at verse number 34, the Bible says, And when they, by the word, wait, let me, let me say this. They means that there was not one of them that was left out. There was not one of them that was lost along the way. Peter began to sink, but even though he was out in the midst of it all and very easily could have drowned, even Peter wasn't left behind. They all made it to the other side. And when they were gone over, I like these words, they came into the land of Gennesaret. 
And the Bible says this in verse 36, that those that were in the country that they had just arrived in that were diseased, they besought him that, he, that they might touch only the hem of his garment. And the Bible says this, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. He brought them to the other side. Not only did they make it, but they didn't have to stop serving the Lord. He wasn't, he did not, he did not uh, finish out the rest of his power just to do those things for them in their storm. It didn't exhaust him to see from the mountain. It didn't ex exhaust him to stand on the water. It didn't tap out his power to be able to get Peter, a man, a human being with flesh and failures to stand on the water too. It didn't tap out his power for that. It didn't for him stop calming the storm. He didn't have just a little morsel left that he had to exercise to stop the storm. And this is the last I can do. And I've got to charge up for a few days before I can do anything else. No, he did all of that. He brought him to the other side. And guess what he kept on doing? Miracle after miracle after miracle. Touching one person after another person. Amen. He saved their lives. And he's healing them of sickness that they have. And both of those not a picture of the wonderful grace of God and the salvation that he gives. Amen. He saves us. Amen. He rescues us in salvation spiritually. You know what else he does? He heals us from the disease of sin. Thank God for the touch of the Lord. I thank God for the Lord's touch as an eight-year-old boy where he came to where I was. And not only did he see me, and he picked me up in the muck and the mire of doubt and, and, and wickedness that I was in and all the humanity that was on me, taking me to hell. But he was able to feed the spiritually saved me like he physically saved Peter. And he was able to save me from certain destruction and he was able to heal me from a disease that was killing me spiritually. If you're saved, he's done the same for you. Here we see the Lord has done some wonderful things. He has spoken some wonderful things. Amen. He is a wonderful Savior. And despite his power and despite his words and despite all of the things that he's done for us all of our lives, we still doubt him. We still doubt him. And I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> the Bible says that we are to confess our faults one to another. I never claim to, to be the perfect example of faith. And I, 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 I don't and I won't because I know that I'm not. Tonight I've preached this message mainly for me and probably more than I have any of you. And I'll be honest with you. My wife has probably gotten tired of me this week researching everything about my surgery that's coming up. I know it's minor. It's a major surgery, but it's considered minor. They do hundreds of them all the time. I've met along, along this process, everybody I meet has had the same thing done. I mean, literally everybody I talk to. But how many of you know when you're going in for a procedure, there ain't a such thing as a minor operation when you're the one being cut on. Amen. My wife knows I don't even like taking sleeping medicine because I don't like the idea of losing control. And to see, to, to, to understand that tomorrow for a couple of hours I'm going to be in this, this. Not only am I going to be in this man's hands, but this man's hands is going to be in me. I don't like that idea. And if I'm not careful, that can cause me to 
getting pretty nervous into doubt. And she's, she's, she has so very kindly told me to stop looking up stuff and to stop overthinking stuff and just leave it alone. But here's what I know the Lord has done for me. Not only has He saved me spiritually to where, and I don't anticipate it happening, but if something, some kind of complication were to happen, and I were not to be able to make it back on Sunday, I'll be better off than I am tonight, because I'll be with the Lord, and I know that. Secondarily, I have watched, I have watched the Lord preserve my life time and time again. Y'all know my testimony as a young boy, there were several different occasions where my heart stopped and I had to be revived due to seizures as a child. Several times I could have left this world already. And there have been, and as, I, as I grew up as a small child, there were certain games I wasn't able to play. Some, anything that was too physical, I was never able to be a part of because as a young child, I had what, would, what became a cyst in my brain that at one time was thought to be a brain tumor. And over the years, here's what you say, preacher, how, if you were to come to me tonight and say, preacher, how is that doing? I'll tell you, it's not doing because it's not there. All the, several, several years ago, the last MRI I had, the doctor came. At, this is when my mom was still alive, so I was, a, I was in my later teenage years uh, at the time. And they came, they, came to, they came to my mom and they said, well, we did the scan like we're supposed to do every year, and uh, it's not there anymore. So I guess, just, I guess we just have to tell you don't worry about it anymore. I had to be so careful as a young boy. And everything I did to make sure that I didn't jostle around too much or I didn't get hit in the head and I didn't wrestle with my siblings too hard because they said that if, if it ever got hit too hard, if I was playing football and ever got tackled or something like that, it would kill me before I hit the ground. But I've heard the doctors come to my mom and give me the report that you don't ha y'all don't have to worry about anything anymore. It's gone. And if God can do that, God can do anything else for my life. I wish I could take the time tonight and just go through my testimony of all of the times, spiritually and physically, that the Lord has preserved my life, that the Lord has taken care of me. But I'll simply tonight suffice for this for the sake of time. He's done it time and time again. And if He does what God does, I'll trust that He's going to do it time and time again some more. And that should cause all of it. And by the way, if we, if we would all get honest, is that not the testimony of all of our lives? He's taking care of us, and even, even, and even, and, and, and I believe He's taking care of all of us in ways that there were times that could have been real bad that you won't even know that you, until you get to heaven that could have been as bad as they were because God was taking care of you even when you didn't know God was taking care of you. And when we get to heaven, I hope the Lord might let us see some of those things so we can praise Him on purpose for every single one with the eternity that we get. But I came here tonight to say to myself and to say to you, why is it that we doubt the Lord? He's given us previous works in our lives. We can look down memory's lane and see time and time again where the Lord has been God in our life and took care of us and met our needs, and yet we doubt that He's going to do it another time. How foolish. Wherefore didst thou doubt? We listen to the, we read the Word of God and we listen to preaching and he, he gives us personal words where He is confirming Himself to us and declaring the God, the kind of God that He is. But at the same time, we doubt and we wonder and we fear and we fret. I say to all of us tonight, wherefore didst thou doubt? 
And then when we think about the powerful wonders of our God, the things that only He can do, the greatest of which is when He took a black heart and He washed it in red blood and it came out white as snow. If God can do that mighty miracle, He can do anything else. Again, I say to myself and to you, wherefore didst thou doubt? We have a God that it is, it, I believe that the Lord is kind and compassionate and I believe He's very forgiving. But at the same time, I, I'm also afraid that it may be a great offense to our God when we doubt Him. He looked at Peter and he said, wherefore? Though thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know where the doubt comes from? It comes from the little faith. If we are a person of little faith, then we will let doubt get big in our minds. And it'll, call, it'll, it'll cause us in our mind to let our doubt eclipse the big God that we have. But let none of us do that tonight. Let's stand confidently knowing that we have a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.